and welcome to Conversations with Carissa, a podcast where we'll have conversations so that you and I can learn and grow from the wisdom of others. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to episode two of Conversations with Carissa. I want to start out each episode with gratitude or some sort of quote of the day and today's gratitude is for you the fact that you have this playing you know in your airpods as you walk to class or in the shower or driving to work I'm so grateful that you are here and that you even took the time the headspace whatever else but I'm just so grateful that you're here and listening. And for those who listened to my first episode and showed so much support, thank you to my little cousin <laughs> who offered his his microphone to the messages on LinkedIn. Like, I'm just so grateful. And to those who are listening and want to start a podcast, want to start your own thing, do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Bias towards action. There are so many things that stand in the way of us putting out in the world what we truly care about and going beyond that fear and going beyond the excuses. There's just a light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to tell you, you can do it. But that is beyond the scope of this (laughs) episode. Today, we are talking about crucibles. So I know I said I would do gratitude or quote, but... Um, I also chose a quote for today's episode, and I would love to share it with you. So the quote of the day is more of a paraphrase from Aunt Sewing. If you're listening, thank you for sharing this piece of wisdom with me. And she essentially said, be careful what you ask for, because when you ask God or a higher power or whatever you believe in for strength, He's not going to make you immediately strong, but instead he's going to give you the experiences that help teach you strength and teach you resilience. And so that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. And I just want to give a little warning. There are a few heavier topics in this episode, but there is a light (laughs) at the end of the tunnel. And this is a story or a piece of my life that either some people know, some people just saw it from the outside and don't really know what actually happened. And there's some people who don't know at all. And so this is me kind of putting that out there. This is more of a conversation with myself, but next week we'll have a conversation with people other than me. (laughs) So that's what's up this this episode. And it's defined as a crucible, or that's the title of this episode. And to give you a little bit of light, this was an exercise that we did in one of my favorite classes, Leadership and Development. And essentially what a crucible is, is a word that's used to refer to a situation in which something is tested or conflict takes place or in scientific terms is heated up so much so that it often produces something new. And so today I'm going to be talking about my crucible and 
how it's shaped who I am today and largely why this podcast is even a thing and what I learned. So we're just going to dive right into it. So to set the scene, um, we are in the pandemic. I remember the date, April 3rd, 2021, 4321, awesome countdown. And it was the one day out of the pandemic that I took my three younger siblings out from our 20-acre farm that's in the middle of nowhere with three neighbors some cows sprinkled in there and just grass and a place to roam. We just couldn't couldn't be cooped up there anymore. Cooped up, even though that's such an amazing space to be. But we just needed some time to head out. And then it was genuinely one day out of the pandemic where I, all of us kids were outside of the house. So we had left to go trained some kids in volleyball and we trained we finished up pretty late actually and we went back to our cousin's house and we had some dinner was fantastic by the way and we were going to go home so I had texted my dad and just said we're on our way home do you need me to pick up anything do you want me to pick up dinner just basic stuff and he wasn't really replying And I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to reply, then we're just going to head home. And later on, he gives me a call. And naturally, I just kind of put on speakerphone because my aunts know him and know his energy. And I I picked up as a, what's up, bro? (laughs) Not, I think I actually said that. Something to that effect. And then I was met with more of a somber or serious voice. And he just said, are you guys, are you guys finished? And I was like, yeah, we're done training the kids. We're about to head home. And it's kind of flushing back to my mind. He said something along the lines of, no, don't, don't come home. And I was like, why? We're done. And he said, you you can't there was a a fire and you don't have a home to come back to and when I heard that I immediately screamed like what and my aunts they were sitting in the background and they they heard so I I just hush hush I ran to the bathroom And immediately, I just, I felt confused. I felt my, you know, when something happens and you're just, your stomach just drops, you feel cold and almost empty. And that's what I was feeling because I was so, we talked about this before, living on a, that many acres surrounded by grass. That was our dinner conversation, honestly. We talked about in the event of a fire, what would you pack? What would you grab? Where do you need to go? Who needs to call the fire department? And that's that's why I asked that question at the end of my last episode because I don't I don't know what I would grab because I wasn't there. 
so I don't really have the option. <laughs> but in that moment, I was just like, I can't believe it. Like, what about my stuff? Like, what about, like, what am I going to do? Like, I have school coming up. The kids have school. We've lived here all of our life. We literally just finished renovating all the bathrooms and all the kitchens. And so this was all flooding my brain all the while my dad was trying to explain to me, like, you just can't come home right now. You need to find a place, but you just can't come back. And then he said something along the lines of, and, oh, your mom's okay, too. And I was like, oh, shoot. I forgot about my mom. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but in my mind, my parents are indestructible. And my mother in specific, if you know her, she's like superwoman. She is one of the... S- <sighs> One of the strongest people that I know. And to think that she wouldn't be okay. I didn't even think to ask. And. So my dad. Facebook messenger me. Because he doesn't have an iPhone. (laughs) And I just saw him. And I saw. A lot of pitch blackness. Because it was it was dark. But I also saw like red kind of lighting up his face I don't know if it was from the fire or if it was from the line of fire trucks that had to get to my house because we only have one road up to our house and so when I saw the pictures it was like 30 to 40 fire trucks just lined up trying trying to get to the house and so I think that's what might have been illuminating his face and then he turned the camera to my mom and she was just kind of sitting there in like she just looked soaked and she was in her work boots and she had the ventilator the air mask whatever you put around your face and she just kind of faintly raised her hand at me and she was like I'm okay I'm okay And to see to see that I don't want to say weakness, but I don't even know how to describe it. Just to see that not lifelessness. I can't even put words to it. So if you are thinking of the word, shout it out loud because I don't know or text it to me. But it was a, a feeling of, I, I'm stunned. And so after feeling all of these feelings, my mind immediately jumped into action mode, as I think it's kind of been trained in me almost for my parents. So I was thinking like, boom, 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 next steps. Okay, well, you know what? What supplies do we have? Dad, I'll go check the Prius, see what we have, make sure that you know, if we have some clothes backed up in the car, cool. But if not, like, I'll run to Target. Okay, well, where are we going to stay tonight? You know, are we going to stay with Yutui, our aunt? Do we need to get a hotel? So we set up, like, a meeting spot. And then I thought, okay, well, food, 
I need to just make sure that everyone gets fed tonight. Where are we going to go? We just had dinner, but maybe mom needs something. So I'll run to a Taco Bell or something. (laughs) And my dad said, don't worry about me. I'll figure everything out. Just get your mom some clothes. Like she's in, she's soaking wet, covered in ash, covered in water, covered in blood. She just needs a change of clothes and meet us here at this person's house in Rancho Marietta or something like that. And I said, okay. And after that, I just, I needed some time, honestly, to absorb that. And I walked around, I paced around, called one of my friends at the time. He tried giving support, but honestly, I, I was still shocked. And so I asked my cousin if I could go into his room And he could just kind of tell that there was something wrong. And at that point, just calls started flooding in. Somehow, it's a complicated story. (laughs) But somehow my best friend found out. And she's like, do you need anything? Like, I'll, I'll run to you right now. I have your location. I'll give you clothes, yada, yada, yada. And that conversation wound up ending up, ending with us laughing and kind of, making lighthearted jokes I I don't really remember what she said I just remember how it made me feel and I felt stable at that at that point and then my other cousins started to call me because they heard what happened and they started offering their clothes and a bed like bedding a toothbrush and I I honestly in that moment looking back I know it's a little bit different but I felt so embarrassed and that's a strange thing to feel maybe it was vulnerability or having nothing and having these people offer their things I just felt so weird and this notion that's kind of been ingrained in me since a young age that you always need to repay you always need to Make sure that when someone gives you something, like, you give back. And so this was just running through my head. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't keep track of who's giving what, who's offering what. And it was just still overwhelming. And at this point, I hadn't even told my siblings yet. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Just give me a sec. Just just give me a quick sec. So after all of that, I took some time to compose myself. And I just told my cousins and my friends that I'd call them back. And then it it was time. I couldn't hold it in forever, but, you know, I was practicing what I would say to my siblings. I was going to be like, hey, y'all, um, so remember our dinner conversation when we said what we would do in the event of a fire? Well, you know, it ha- that was not going to work. That was out of the picture. I, st- I actually don't remember really what I said. <laughs> I think it was more of, hey, guys, so something happened at home. There was a fire and we we just can't go back. Mix of emotions. A genuine mix of emotions. I had my youngest sister, and Calista, if you're listening, let me know if this is okay, but I had her in my arms talking about, oh my gosh, like, what about 
bunny boo. It was a stuffed animal that she grew up with. What am I going to do? I have school. I had my younger brother who was angry, (laughs) kind of punching at the wall a little bit. was mad because he just got a MacBook. He's like, I just paid for that. Like, what? What about my Air Force One? (laughs) And then my, I have my other sister who is the one that's closest in age to me. And she, she she was making jokes. She was like, dang, the one day that I bring my Chromebook with me. (laughs) Now I still got to go to school. And I don't know if any of her teachers are listening to this, but she just, she wanted a little time off from school. And she's like, really? This would be me. And the funny part is (laughs) her room was probably the most damaged, but it was her math book that survived from her room. So I know I have a little bit of like lighthearted or dark hearted humor, but I just thought that was so funny. And we laugh about it all the time. But we just... Honestly, we rallied. I don't even I don't even know what we said. I think we made some jokes about, you know, now we have something to write about in our college essays or fresh start. But to feel that closeness and that that flip in energy when something super big happens. I just felt like at that point, like there was hope. The fact that us four kids could make light of what was happening and just rally together, come up with, okay, let's go grab the suitcases if, you know, Aunt Peggy is okay with it. Let's go grab some food and let's go meet up at this place and we'll figure out school tomorrow. It'll be all good. That was my first sign of hope, kind of, aside from all my friends and family calling, but that gave me hope. And so we rallied all together. We wound up going back to this mother's quarter that someone had so kindly offered us. And I walked in. It was a beautiful, beautiful home. So thank you to Miss Kelly, if you're listening, for providing us with a base. And when I walked in, I saw my mom curled up in a blanket because she didn't have any clothes. She, we didn't have anything. And so I immediately ran to her. I gave her the clothes that my aunts had given me. And we got all the kids showered and gave them some clothes. I couldn't find any women's underwear, so my sister jo- laughs or rolls her eyes when I say this, but I was in men's underwear for two days, and those two days, I've never been so grateful to receive women's underwear in my life, <laughs> but we just made sure everyone was clothed, and we thankfully each had beds that night, but I opted to sit with my mom on the couch, and I don't, again, know how to describe the feeling of of seeing your superhero 
look confused and a little bit empty, I would say. Just kind of staring off in the distance, if that makes sense. Not really having your mind present. And I knew she had gone through a lot, but I'm a curious girl. So I asked her, like, what happened? Do you know what happened? We kind of made, my siblings and I had made this not very good joke, but my mom has done it before, actually. She started a mini fire before at her house. But it was, like, super small because you have to burn the weeds. So we were like, Mom, if you did this, we're gonna we're gonna go crazy. But she's like, no, like, it wasn't. I just heard a super loud explosion in the garage. I ran outside. Your father turned off the gas because that would have been bad. And we just saw fire. And, you know, I ran back inside. I said, what? You ran back inside the burning house? And she's like, yeah. I was like, what? You're crazy. You're crazy. And she ran back inside for our passports and our birth certificates. So that's why I made that that comment last time. But she went in. She took our passports, took our birth certificates. Evidently, one of our neighbors ran in after her. Because what sane person runs back into a burning house? Except for maybe firefighters. But I guess she ran in for that. And then she just she just couldn't believe it. And we kind of left the conversation at that and I just kind of fell asleep next to her on the couch. But something that I'm kind of missing that will tie into what I learned before that is before I went to bed, the the family that let us stay at the house, they left us some Easter baskets and construction paper and markers like Crayola, your typical markers. So I pulled, I vividly remember, I pulled a purple sheet of paper and an orange Crayola marker and immediately just started writing down what I was grateful for. I was grateful by whatever power that my siblings and I weren't home because I feel like it would have been so much heavier had we seen everything just burn to the ground. And who knows if we would have even been safe. And so I just... I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much that I am alive, that I am safe. Thank you for all my family members and my cousins who gave duffel bags and suitcases of clothing and snacks and just the randomest things. Thank you so much that we have a place to stay tonight. Thank you for my parents being alive. Thank you just for having another night. And then I... And then I proceeded to fall asleep. And I was awoken by some roosters because we were in the middle of a farm. Kind of like where we were. And the story is getting (laughs) a little bit long, but I can't really encapsulate the whole entirety of an event (laughs) I can do my best but this is me putting it out there in the world for those who kind of saw it from the outside but at that point we had people who we hadn't really spoken to call us we had someone start a GoFundMe and at at that point I just 
tried to distract myself as much as possible. I was working part-time. I was doing school. I like started a chapter of a nonprofit to send cards to people in nursing homes and children's hospitals. And I was also head coaching. And this was probably one of the most transformative times of my life. And none of my, none of my girls know, maybe they'll listen to this, but I hid, I hid the, the pain and the resilience, hoping that they would just kind of see my strength. You know, that saying like, um, work in silence and let your success be the noise. I kind of didn't want them to know what was going on and that they could just see my energy and my compassion. But looking back, maybe it would have helped them a little bit to know, but I just kind of kept it a secret. And so I hid the pain a lot of the time. I got a lot of calls from my aunts and my former coaches or text messages and I don't think I fully hit it, but I did show mainly my gratitude. I was like, you know what? The most important thing that I learned was that home was not a place. Although I grew up in this place my entire life. But home is a community and the people in it that love you and care for you and that's what a lot of what I was expressing to others and I fully did mean it but there was pain behind it there was so much stress and I began to lose a lot of weight Um, I was still trying to work out too but I wasn't really having some sort of equal balance and there were times where my family would would leave the house to go shopping or catch up with family and I was just like nah I got homework I'm, I'm gonna stay home but what they didn't really know was that when they left it was usually me sitting on the floor just sobbing looking out outside for for strength for hope I just felt so confused and I don't think they really know that, but gosh, I am so grateful for this experience, and I don't know if that's crazy to say, normal to say, sane to say, but I am, and so thank you so much for listening to that story, but now I'm going to segue into the less heavy stuff, um, because this was probably the most transformative time in my life. Like I said, it's a crucible. It heats you up so that you come out of it a different person. And so my feelings about myself in the situation, I, I, I learned that community matters. And without the community, without the people that rallied behind us, I don't know what we would have done. The second thing that I felt about the situation was, like I mentioned, gratitude to be alive, gratitude for the small things. I had built up this discipline or this practice of journaling. And so just being able to even have a a pencil and a paper to write down my thoughts, I was so grateful to even have that opportunity. 
And the last thing that I learned about myself and this or from the situation is after having lost almost everything, I learned that I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. when you lose everything you kind of realize what the bottom looks like and of course this is only my experience I know many of us out there have lost a loved one or just gone through far worse I think there's a saying where if all of us threw our trauma in a pile you'd easily take yours back and that's not to say that yours isn't worth it or your trauma, whether big T or little T, isn't painful. But I know that there's so many people out there who've also experienced very heavy things. And so from this, I just, I learned that this is a low point. I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And then the, the other thing that I want to talk about is why this was so challenging for me. I think now I don't really think about how challenging it was to get over losing the physical things. Maybe at first when I was trying to move into Berkeley, which was a whole story in in and of its own and not having anything because I, I just didn't, but I learned how to get over my ego and ask for help. And this was, I like a few days after, a few days after the fire, or maybe a few weeks, I had gotten into Cal. When I tell you, tears, just tears. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is possible. But then that kind of ensued a bunch of stress because I didn't get any housing. I applied for a financial aid appeal or income appeal. And they're like, oh, sorry, your situation is not a change of income. <laughs> so you don't get federal, I I don't know. They just said it wasn't a change of income, so I didn't get any financial aid. So I reached out for help and somehow one of my friends from my summer class wound up helping me get an apartment, but that's kind of an aside. Like I mentioned before, I was so embarrassed to ask for help. I was so embarrassed when people were giving me underwear and socks or sending me a a Venmo I was like I don't know how to repay you I just don't and what I learned from also on sewing is like these people love you so much that they're giving without an expectation of anything in return and if they are then that's not really love and I was just like okay of course like we expressed our gratitude, but that showed me what community and love is. And this was also challenging for me because in high school, I used to be really stressed about the fact that some of my friends were going through really tough times and I think even in the pandemic, I was like, oh my gosh, people are experiencing so much pain. And I'm here so blessed with an education, a family, food on the table, roof over my head. Why I've, like, what have I done to deserve this? 
like, do I need to have some sort of trauma or a big trauma in my life? And I got it. Like, like I said, back to the initial quote, when you ask God for strength, he's not going to give you strength. Even if you're not religious, um, think of whatever higher power you believe. And so it just taught me, or it was challenging because I got what I asked for, but I think in this moment, we'll now transition to what I learned. I learned a few things. One, home is a community. It's a people, and I've expressed that enough times, so I won't draw on too long. The second is that I, the second thing that I learned is that in some of my lowest lows were some of my wisest moments. And that's kind of where my love for podcasts really not just reignited, but strengthened because I had always loved podcasts before. But anytime I was in the bathroom or driving, I just turned on Oprah, her super soul conversations with Lady Gaga, I listened to stuff with Kobe Bryant. I just listened to anything and I absorbed it all. And I tried to find gratitude in each piece or each phase of whatever I was going through. And so I learned that I'm strong enough, I'm resilient enough. And that is what really led me to who I am today. The two, I guess, tangible pieces of advice that have really stuck with me, I think I mentioned in my last podcast as well. So one is to align your day-to-day with your goals or else you're going to feel like you're working towards nothing. And then two, envision that you were successful in whatever career path you so choose or whatever path that you would like. And that frees you up to then think about the journey and the path that you would enjoy more. And I'm so happy to report, y'all, that my journey has been nothing short of strength, resilience, discipline, and just learning. And what I mean by that is I created those goals that I mentioned last time, and I really, really stuck to it in terms of being a better daughter, being a better sister. I'm not sure if you guys, all of you guys are familiar with it, but we have something here called recruiting (laughs) at Berkeley. And it's where you're basically looking for a job. And I really wanted to work towards this specific career path, but it just seemed unattainable. And I turned back in my interview process and along the way, going back to this story and I'm not I'm not gonna go too in depth because maybe that'll be an episode for another day but I just turn back to the fact that I have absolutely nothing to lose and at this point what I learned is everyone else in this applicant pool everyone else at this career fair they're no longer they're they're not my competition they're not who they're not my enemy they're not who I'm worried about it's me Like, I am my own best friend, or I am my own worst enemy, but I have the power to choose. And that is so freeing.
I have learned so much from this experience, from this crucible. If you've listened all the way through, thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much. Because without this crucible, I'm not sure if I would be sitting here today having this opportunity to share my experience. And that in and of itself is so amazing and so beautiful that I get to live out a dream. But it's because the fact that I've seen a low. And so I would push you to think about your crucible. You don't need to think about it on your way to work as you start this Monday morning if you're listening on Monday. But I would encourage you to think about your crucible, the moments where it was really hard, but it shaped you to who you are today and show gratitude to it rather than looking looking at it as a, a detriment. Because when you do, it's just so freeing. And with that, we're wrapping up episode two of Conversations with Carissa. I would love to hear feedback from you. Send me a message. Send me a, a text. Send me a, <laughs> a Facebook messenger. I don't know. Of the topics that you want to hear about. Just overall feedback. Share your stories. I'm so excited to hear your wisdom and if you feel comfortable sharing your crucible, but no pressure. I'm just kind of here sharing my story, sharing my life. And if you got a little bit of wisdom from it, awesome. If you didn't, well, alrighty. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to draw this outro too long. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with Carissa. And I look forward to hearing, hearing, talking, <laughs> you hearing me talking or listening. in the next episode. Okay. (laughs) Bye.